0: Welcome to this episode of Helix & Gene Medical Wellness Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sam Balut, CEO of Helix & Gene. Today, I have a very, very special guest on the show. Um, She is one of the most influential yoga teachers that I've ever come across personally. She has had a great influence on me, on the way I teach, on the work that I do. And through her classes online has taught me a ton about how the body works and the energetic connections and the locks that exist within and how we can open and maneuver them together. So um, without further ado, I want to introduce a yoga teacher, a writer, a lover of life, and founder of Radiant Body Yoga, Kia Miller. Kia, welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you, Sam. I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: We're very delighted to have you. I'm very, very excited to have you on this show and to, you know, kind of dive into your world a little bit and uh, see what all this incredible accomplishments that you've done in life, where it came from. And, you know, starting with that, Kia, I would love for you to just share with our audience a little bit about your background, about where you started, what throughout childhood till now has influenced you to get to this exceptional place that you are in today.
1: Mm. Wow, it's such a huge question. Yeah. I can... <laughs> because because everything in life is continually influencing the way that we're developing and what we're opening to and what we're believing and uh the patterns that become our character, that become our personality, that become our life. Uh so for me, I would say uh Perhaps one of the most influential things in who I am today is uh, where I was born, which is in the Falkland Islands and the the, the south um, Southeast Atlantic Ocean. Uh, Beautiful. Because it was just absolutely wild land. I grew up on 110,000 acres. It was a sheep farm that my father managed. I rode horses, there's no, Everyone knows everyone else. There's no locked doors. There's no, there's just nothing like that. And I had a really deep relationship with nature. Nature mm. was my medicine. Nature was my church, if you like. Um, and so that really was the beginning for me was just having that, uh, experience. Um, I then, uh, I was in the Falkland Islands when the the war happened and that was a big, um, that was enormous for me at the time. I was 13 years old and I didn't understand politically what was happening. Mm -hmm. All I knew was, wow, I'd been in Argentina at boarding school and I had friends who were Argentinians, (laughs) but now they were landing and they were invading my country, so to speak. I used to go and fish and take them fish in exchange for fruit and, you know, all these things that were sort of taboo, but didn't, right, wasn't there for me. It was just the humanity of it, I guess. Uh, So I think in many ways my sort of idyllic uh, childhood life was interrupted with the Falklands War and it set me on a track of um, of uh, activism. Well, one thing, I, I happened to be there with somebody who transitioned, who, who passed away, a soldier mm-hmm. who had just been shot. And there was a profound moment just being with him of the, the recognition of, of a passage, but mm-hmm. not an interruption, not a, not, a, not a death as we might see death. Uh, and then shortly after the Falklands war, my father passed. And when he passed, he said to me that night, it wasn't a dream, but it was felt like it could have been a dream, but it wasn't. He just said, it's okay. I'm okay. Mm. And so those, those factors opened up this whole idea of, wow, there's more to life than what meets the eye. Yeah. And, uh, And so I sort of had these two parallel journeys for a little while there of of activism, which came out in the anti-war, anti-nuclear movement in um, England when I moved there. And then this deep love of spirituality, and in particular, this very intimate understanding that there's, there's something more than what is happening on the surface reality. So that began my deep spiritual quest. And I was fortunate enough to find yoga at a young age and it just felt so uh, familiar to me when I started practicing. And it immediately began to open me up to uh, a deeper understanding of myself. I will say that... uh, When I first started to practice yoga, I really was not in my body. I recognized that through some of the traumas that had happened in my life, I had started to dissociate. And that that a dissociative state had become my normal way through life, apart from when I was with animals and in nature, but human interaction, not so great.
0: So the yoga
1: actually got me in and i learned how to inhabit my body again that was the greatest and first big breakthrough that i had with yoga how old were you when that happened uh well i first got introduced to yoga when i was 15 and i would say that that breakthrough started to happen right in my uh early 20s that's when i started to get more grounded in my body and and recognizing and just at least learning how to do that how not to dissociate.
0: Wow very interesting so you went from this incredible farmland and wide open space into a crazy commotion chaos of war in a little journey of activism and now you're back into the yogic world and you know was yoga your your initiation to this spiritual world? Is that where you kind of started and you knew this was a thing for you? Um, and, and really, just, you know, was there a specific teacher or a specific uh, yoga school or a specific book that kind of said to you, okay, like this is where I am and this is, this is what makes more
1: sense to me and kind of move you in that direction? I would say uh, I would say that yes, there was a, a teacher Godfrey DeFro in uh, London um, mm-hmm. who taught the Godfrey DeFro method, but it was really a an Ashtanga yoga. Mm-hmm. And so, what I love about Ashtanga yoga is this this commitment to the six day a week practice. And oh, wow. so. So there's there's a certain way that the teachers approach a student and that approach the practice. And it was exactly what I needed, something that had some real discipline to it and something that felt systematic and progressive to me. And so mm-hmm. that really appealed to, to me. Um, and I started to reap the results of what happens when you approach life. That's in right. In a manner. Absolutely. Yeah. I you know, paralleled the, the, in the activism. I went really deep, and I started to make documentaries, and uh, and I came to this, this pinnacle moment where I was making a, a documentary, an anti-nuclear documentary, and uh, I'd been uh, traveling around England looking at nuclear sites and then looking at Chernobyl and looking at the ancient sites and kind of asking the question, what uh, what are we leaving um, future generations? And mm. uh, there were these two main people in the anti-nuclear movement at that moment in the US and in England and they both uh, got afraid of what was going to be shown in the documentary. Um, I was wanting to make something that would support their cause, not dismantle <laughs> it. But a lot of the behavior, unfortunately, was not, should we say, the most illuminated. Uh, right. So they threatened me with physical bodily harm if I went ahead to do this documentary, which I was screening at the United Nations disarmament conference in '97. Wow. And there was this. Pinnacle moment there where I recognized that um, that people who were standing up against things, so many of them were falling prey to the exact same behaviors that they were purporting to not like in other individuals, and so I had that recognition, which was paralleled with my yoga journey um, and the understandings I was developing. I was like, oh have to go into the yoga first and find that deeper level of healing before I can be a really uh, powerful activist in the world, as I was seeing it. And so I recognized that that had to actually be the first step go, go in first and create the healing and create the deeper understanding before you try to fix things on the outside. So that that was, I guess, one of the huge revelations in my life.
0: No, it's so funny you say that. I'm listening to you and I'm just, you know, you and I talked briefly for a few minutes before the show. And by the way, you and I have never spoken just for our audience before this show. And we took about three to five minutes before the show to just talk a little bit. So I I grew up in the middle of a war zone in Iran. And first nine years of my life, I saw things that kids shouldn't see. And what happened was, and experienced things of that sort, came to the U.S., had a very, very similar journey as yours. And I came to a very similar type of realization in my mid-20s in understanding that you can't change the world not in the traditional sense that we think because in really studying einstein for a while one of his quotes that resonated with me thoroughly was that you cannot attack a problem with the same consciousness that the problem was originally created within the first place otherwise you're just going to create more of the same problem (laughs) and right so that was a big shifter for me to go within And to realize the only way I can help this world is if I go in and I can take care of this first and I can connect from that level because, you know, the words radiant body that you have, that's what happens, right? You you become a radiant piece of light that attracts the proper energy that pulls you to a purpose instead of trying to force an outcome. I just wanted to share that and that really resonated with me. So in all of this, you know, you now come to California. And what was California like, you know, in the early 90s when you enter this world and all of this yoga crazy frenzy is going on? Like, how did, is that, that's kind of what took you
1: over? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yoga was just on in Los Angeles at that time. It was It was huge, and I quickly because I was coming from an Ashtanga background got into um, Ashtanga with Chuck Miller and Marty Azrati, who founded Yoga Works. Yeah. Um, yes, and uh, so I really delved deep with them, and then I went up for a brief Period of time to Northern California with John Belinsky, who still teaches up there. And I remember a key phrase he used. He said, "When life got in the way of yoga, I made yoga my life." <laughs> and that, that phrase, coupled with moving back to Los Angeles and Chuck and Maddie doing their very last teacher training at uh, Yoga Works, um, so it influenced me to take it. I was like, "Oh, I have to do this now." Mm. I have to do this now. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I, I taught at YogaWorks for 15 years. I loved every moment of it. I, I had so many wonderful opportunities to grow. Um, when Mati left, I remember saying to her, um, who should I practice with? And she said, Annie Carpenter. I don't know if you're familiar with Annie Carpenter, but she she comes from a dance background and she she whipped me into shape. She Mm. really helped me to understand asana and how to really unlock the power within my body on that level of coming from a very tight body, learning how to really access uh, the level of flexibility and opening that I desired and she really helped me go there and she trained me to teach teachers. Uh, So I I was fortunate to have such a generous teacher in her. And Mm. at the same time, I got introduced to, to Kriyas and Kundalini yoga. And I, that, that, that gave me a massive spiritual awakening. Yeah. That
0: seems to be what does it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's no way to, there's no way that you can stay the same when you start to infuse your body with so much energy that these Kriyas do. It's just, I felt for the first few years a deep emotional cleansing. I would be crying after many of the classes or I would be mad or frustrated, but it was big. And then just clearing, clearing, clearing until finally the Kriyas were just harmonizing my energy in between like normal life and helping to set my frequency at a higher uh, place. And so um,
0: it, it, yeah, so you're talking about setting the frequency and, and by the way, for those audiences that don't know what Kriyas are, they just, they're movements, <laughs> and essentially just. So in setting that frequency, did you find that Kundalini seems to be the fastest, most direct approach to learning how to connect to that internal electrical system that governs the energy system from the central nervous system, because it has a very direct pattern of opening up pathways based on specific sequencing as well as specific breathing. There's a direct science behind it that can be maneuvered in many ways, by the way. Um, But you know, because to me, that's what I found with kundalini yoga. People are like, well, you know, what's so special about it? I go, I, you can't explain a the feeling that you get when you sit in the breath of fire pose and you do the breath, you sit in the meditative pose and you do breath of fire for 30 straight minutes for six straight weeks. <laughs> I can't explain to you what that feels like. And it'll be different for you as it will be for me. But I promise you, you're going to feel something, <laughs> and that's really when it comes to kundalini. You know, does that to you seem like the most direct approach to connect to that inner body? Because it's it's almost like it's so I don't want to say thought out, but it's so well drawn out in a sense.
1: Yeah, I would um, just reflect back to uh, the words we were using earlier about it being a, a progressive, like systematic practice. Yes. That's right, and, um, and and I think this is the the key with all of these practices is that uh, if we are uh, using them, you mentioned doing the uh, was it sixty days you said or ninety days or six weeks or of the thirty one minutes of breath of fire. It's just uh, yeah, it's that 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 uh, continuous effort over time that starts to create the the greatest shift in ourselves and from everything that I've um, learned, my understanding is really that, you know, we, as, we, as human beings, uh, we're just, uh, if in the, the simplest terms, we're just like a bunch of patterns, basically. That's right. We're a bunch of learned patterns and what these practices do is they start to shift and interrupt those unconscious patterns of thought of energy of emotion and um and they start to expand us energetically and this is some of the stuff that you can see right now um, that is being studied by people like dr joe Dispenza and his yeah. group of the energetic fields and the magnetic fields of the body the um, heart math institute are doing a lot of research to show that and so these kriyas are working to 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 expand the electromagnetic field of the body and this is part of the core teachings of yoga that we can often mistakenly think that we're just our body and our mind well we're our body we're our mind we're also this energy and the energy expands way beyond the physical body and when we start to tap in and refine the frequency of our energy we start to impact everything from the subtlest to the most dense and i think some of the most exciting studies that i'm seeing coming out lately are the studies around you know the the idea that we've always had that matter creates energy whereas the latest studies are showing well energy creates matter So all this ease that we experience actually starts in the electromagnetic field. It starts in the energy body, and then it starts to manifest. If if we're not alert to it, it starts to manifest on a more physical level. To me, these are uh, some of the most exciting things about what we do as yogis, is we just get to go in and be scientists and uh, explore. Uh, all these different layers of our being and, and unfold, hopefully unfold more awareness, more love, more compassion, a greater capacity to be neutral in a world that is anything but neutral, especially right now. That's and so balance, yeah. People who are thriving right now are, t- tend to be those who who have a practice, who have a neutrality about them, who have the capacity in this time of great uncertainty to not be phased uh, by the uncertainty, but to have that steadfastness within themselves that they can see the opportunities and take the opportunities um, that are allowing that, that the evolution of self. I see a lot of people right now caught in fear and contracting and stagnating in a way where the, the, the feeling of helplessness is so ripe in the world and uh, the feeling of being a victim to the circumstances of life. And then you start to see some of the more negative qualities of human nature coming through. And yeah. um, so again, to me, the practices, the systematic practices that help us to clear ourselves, to clear away the negativity, to clear away the physical stagnation, to boost the digestive system so that we're more vital, to expand the capacity of the lungs so that that we're more resilient in our lungs, and to neutralize and harmonize the mind so that we're less rocked by the uncertainty and more able to kind of lean in towards the unknown and the newness. So to me, I feel like all this, this, is, this is my work individually, and this is my work as a teacher to help um, others to understand the extraordinary opportunity that we have in this time. Because of the great collective upheaval, there's an opportunity for an accelerated personal and spiritual growth. That's exciting. Bye.
0: I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I see before any expansion, there is a massive contraction and we're going through this contraction right now. And I agree with you. I think if you're able to keep yourself in that steady place, and one of the things that we try to get across to everybody is it takes work to stay in that steady place. And you know you it, it takes discipline and it, it takes yeah. a conscious, shift and a change, you know, but one of the things I personally have realized in my practice and in how I teach is, you know, it's all about connection, right? Like how do you, what is the language that you connect with to people? Because, you know, a lot of what you're talking about, you know, with, with the energy magnetic fields, we live at a time today that's so exciting because scientific tools are now able to measure and give language and identification to a lot of what's been talking about with these ancient sages and shamans and yogis for thousands of years. And, you know, because of that language that's now being introduced to people that they can understand it's much easier for them to grasp the concepts because we as human beings can only, our, our level of understanding only goes as far as the words we have to describe and identify something. If we look at something and we don't have a word to identify it, we don't have an experience to connect to it, then we don't know what it is. so in connecting, I think that is the the best way to go, you know, and I think what's so exciting is what you're saying in the fact that we now can Measure this stuff. Nobody can tell you it's hocus pocus anymore, <laughs> you know. And and there is a direct correlation to certain ways that the body moves, certain ways that it breathes, in certain sequencing that produces certain results. And you know, and that's measurable now, and that's very very cool in our world, you know. And what you're talking about to all of our listeners who are physicians, you know, this is preventative healthcare, guys, at its finest. <laughs> you know, this is where the health care system has failed. And with our company, our number one prerogative is to, you know, really get into that preventative healthcare world and to show that, hey, money spent elsewhere can produce results and a much better society in general. You know, I ask people a certain question and I don't, you know, I sell people, I go, how much money do you spend on your health every single year? Yeah you'd be surprised how many people have no clue or say none. I'm like, would 5% of your income spend on your health be too much to ask for for yourself? And that allows them to realize how much they devalue themselves <laughs> in yeah. general. And again, language and connection, right? And, and, and it, it's, it's when you connect to them through that language, you kind of spark and open something up and they go, Oh, Oh, okay, you know, it's a new context. I never wore those glasses before. I didn't see it from that lens before. So in your teaching in creating this radiant body, because that's what I want to really get into now, what was the groundworks for that? What, where are the differences? What did you pull from? I know, I know I've pulled from ashtanga and kundalini a ton in my system you know those two just seem to be the powerhouse and then the the spiritual maneuverability (laughs) you know it's it's like they fit in just into some of what i use so where did that come into play for you and how did you create this and tell us a little more about this format of training your body your mind and the whole systematic way of looking at the human body like you do
1: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I would just mirror, first of all, um, for me, the two major influences are Ashtanga and Kundalini. Um, It is it is that because that's how I practice. I recognize that for most of us in this modern lifestyle, the way that we're living, we need a practice that gets us into our physical body. We need something that works the physical body out, that gets the the knots out, that that opens us up, that keeps us flexible and and free in our body because there's no point trying to sit and meditate if you are not free in in your body. You know, (laughs) that doesn't mean you have to be the most flexible person, but you have to have a sense of freedom in your body. So for me, that was it, I was like, okay, I need modern practitioners. We need this. We need a a practice that gets us into our body, that grounds us into our body. And then we need a practice that can shift our emotional mental state, not just calm us, which is great. We definitely need that, but we actually need something that can, that can project us out of, whatever limited state of consciousness we've been holding is with our worries, with our fears, with all of that. Okay. Well, how, how do I shift myself so that for a moment I can drop all of my limited ideas of self and actually have an experience of something greater. So for me, the whole purpose, if you like, of this practice is that something simply cannot be taught at the level of mind they have to be experienced this is where the kundalini kriyas the systematic movement and breath is so powerful because when you engage in them and you move your body in these dynamic ways with the breath when you pump your navel when you move your arms in crazy positions it wakes up something inside of you and it allows the synchronization and coherence to happen between the mind and the energy. And when that happens, it's like the intelligence of your being comes on board and you get to experience your, you get to experience, let's just put it in the simplest terms, you're experiencing life in a, in a, in a greater way than you were before you start to perceive more. You start to be aware
0: right on.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. so that, to me, it's like, if I can simply deliver someone to an experience of themselves, Yes. You know, not, not, the, not the projections of self, not the identities, not I'm a doctor, not I'm a nurse, not I'm a this, but no, that essence, that deep essence of self, that, that, that aspect within you that is your guide throughout your life, when you're attuned to it, and to cultivate that relationship so that you start to trust yourself, you start to trust the support of life more and more and more. And and then that becomes the force that really is guiding you. and, and, um, And many successful people in life already are tapped into that to a certain degree, but then you put the The mind-body practices on top of that, and wow, now you're at a whole other level of of expansion and and opening. So those, I think, are the key ingredients. And then meditation. Uh, You know, I thought about meditation for 10 years before I started, and I knew that it was what I needed to do. But I was so confused, there's this style, there's that style, you do this, you use that mantra, you count like this. Oh, you're just in awareness. You're and I was so overwhelmed by it all, I just simply didn't know where to start. And I think what's again so exciting right now is that meditation is not just a freaky thing. Meditation yes. sort of it's really in the mainstream. People are yes. meditating. They're on all these different apps, and the apps, as far as I can see, they're they're all helping people to cultivate a relationship with the present moment I think it's all good and um, so this 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 sort of practice again over time of sitting and learning to be still and learning to recognize the cycles of your mind and starting to see who's who's the witnessing one versus all of the different trains of thought we get caught in. Um, I mean this is a, to me this is a fascinating journey the most most worthwhile journey yeah
0: i I agree with you again wholeheartedly on this you know and and again, we have such similar approaches, I think the only differences you know you come from that yogic background i come from a more of a philosophical spiritual background that studied the energetic soft water pattern movements like qigong and tai chi and the martial arts and in my system i've learned to maneuver and systematically connect those to the rigid ashtanga and kundalini back and forth and you know, exactly what you said, I tell people, it's an experience that you feel and you walk away from. And, you know, is a, I can provide you with the guideline, but the experience is yours. <laughs> you know, like I tell everyone, people ask me all the time, well, what's that one book that changed your, it's not a book that that, that it's not, that's not how it works. It's every single morning waking up at 445 and meditating for a half hour and, putting my body through these rigorous movements over a period of time, allowing that compounded interest to kick in. And that's what has you here is not the book. The book is a guideline, but the experience is internal. The experience yeah. is something me, you, or any other teacher can't give them. They have to earn it. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, and, exactly. and- Yeah. Yeah.
0: So with that, you know, I wanted to ask you about a meditation that I did of yours, the Tadasa Nama, I believe it is, Satanama, And it's the one with maneuvering the fingers and given my anatomy background and the scientific mind I approach the body with in training the central nervous system to be able to connect with its furthest nerve endings um, for things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and MS and all kinds of neurological disorders. I know that is a very studied kundalini breathing technique and meditation now in Western science. And you choose to do it for 11 minutes. Now, is there a, is there a reason for that? Or is there where, where these numbers come from, you know, just for our audience to understand? Or is that really where you have experienced it takes in order for you to mentally zone into that point that you have to get to? Commitment.
1: Yeah, and this is comes from the Kundalini Research Institute sort of tradition of Kundalini yoga and um, they've done a lot of studies on this particular meditation and what it's doing to the brain. And it's it's that 10, 11 minutes, that's like the average time that it does take to, to drop in, like you can do something for three minutes and it'll impact you for a short little while but you do something for 10 11 minutes well now that impact is just starting to uh, penetrate a little bit deeper and then as you did with the breath of fire for 30 minutes you do it for 30 minutes then now it's impacting you at an even deeper level yeah Um, so so really that's the if there's a science behind it it's simply that that the longer you do these things the, the deeper the imprint of what you're doing is. And especially when you're, you're pressing your finger, your thumb through your, each one of your fingers and chanting a mantra and having a specific focus, it, it's literally starting to rewire the brain. So yeah, they've been having a lot of extraordinary results with people with in addiction doing this particular practice. Oh, absolutely. patient. Yeah
0: no that you know absolutely and and you know in in my opinion in that world i think that and that world is close to my heart for other reasons but in understanding that i think that is such an incredible alternative approach for that world and that society of, you know, the, the addiction problems that this country has faced and the opioid crisis and all of these issues that have taken place and have taken so many lives. If you can ground your mind, what those people are missing is this. They're missing a daily, you know, we're all addicts at the end of the day. You know, like you just get to choose what you're addicted to. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and if you can surround your life and work that addiction in a positive manner, then kudos to you because, you know, you just figured out, you know, what I call the secret to happiness, you know, and, and it, it's, it's literally that simple in concepts, very difficult to follow. But that's what it is. And I think in going back to the preventative healthcare aspect of things, all of these yogic movements from Ashtanga, from Kundalini, have, are now, it's so exciting, that are being presented to us. And it's so good that teachers like you... Stay behind the science, you know that's one of the things you know when my my wife was i told you was the first person that you know introduced me to you, and she looked at this and she goes, "Sam, you know, I just did a class with this incredible instructor, Kia Miller, and let me tell you, my wife is like one of those people that she's so thorough and she's so authentic and she so holds you to account for every detail of life <laughs> that If there's a flaw somewhere, you can guarantee, you can hand her an 80-page paper, she'll find the one misspelled word, (laughs) you know? And so when she turns around and says to me, this woman is for real and she understands the science, she's got it down and follows the same approach you do. I got so excited and when I started taking your classes, it was a whole new door open for me with experience through your kundalini teachings. And I believe it was my moment with your class was I did a 45 minute class of yours that pushed me physically. And I came from a, you know, I used to be a top 10 competitive bodybuilder and I came from that world and it pushed my body to a level that I had never taken it to. And in turn, it opened my mind to a place that even through my meditations, because I've been meditating for 15, 20 years now, and I, I was never able to reach. And when I, that was the, the connection for me to realize, okay, the approach here, the conversation here is we all have a human body every one of us knows we have organs, we have a spine, we have a brain, we have fingers, we have fingertips. We understand that internally we have the lymphatic system, we have the nervous system, we have the musculoskeletal system. If through movement, breathing and visualization and sequencing, I can get you to focus and wake those things up and connect to them on an internal level, you're going to have no choice but to have a spiritual experience <laughs> because it's like the runner's high you hit a point where you just can keep going for hours and it, it, it no longer the physical part of it is no longer in place
1: yeah i think you nailed it actually right there it's like the runner's high and it's it's because you're impacting the endocrine system as you're moving and breathing, but also you're cultivating the, the state that athletes would call, you know, being in the zone. Yeah. Because when you create this level of harmony between the the body, the energy, the mind, uh, then you, you, you're you suddenly, you find yourself in the zone. And yeah. that's me, that's where the mind expands. And this is where, the science of yoga and the fact that this is a thousands of years old tradition it, it, it's so valuable because they studied way before we in the west started to study they studied the mind yeah. they studied what is consciousness what does it mean to be awake what does it mean to be asleep what does it mean to be dreaming uh, what happens to the mind in this state of being, what happens to the mind here? And they figured out, right, that we have the surface level of mind that, yeah. that, that is the analytical mind. And they figured out that there's the deeper level of mind is just is that the witness, if you like, the awareness, and then how to, how to access the awareness and not get caught in the superficial analysis uh where so many of us we we become um frozen in that place or we become manic in that place one or the other and so it's exciting to me just to to see how this profound science uh, works in everyday ways with everyday people, and as soon as you mention too, as soon as your as soon as your your mind gets that there's another way, that doorway to the other way opens. It's kind of like in in healing when uh, when you have the placebo effect. It's like someone suddenly opens up a belief of a possible way of health for them that they hadn't before. And whether it's the medicine that helps or whether it's just their belief, suddenly they're open to that. And, well, and
0: it's, it's learning to open that overall collective consciousness, right? It's like the, the marathon runner where nobody ever thought you it would be humanly possible to run the marathon, you know, in under, I don't know what it was, three something minutes. And one person did it and the year after I think a, couple of thousand did it and then a year after a couple of thousand more and more and more and the numbers just grew once that lock was broken once that limitation on the physical body was shown that it can be taken off and I think a lot of the work that what we do is is to show people that once you open that door there's no going back <laughs> it takes a lot of work to open that door but once you open that door there is no going back and you live life different you view life different and going back to the science you know i wanted to get your take on you know the some of the older teachers like babaji and yogananda and these guys were the what i when i studied them a little bit and and read a little bit you know i'm right now i'm reading autobiography of a yogi and yeah. for the first time, and, and, and these guys were as direct with their science as it gets. Like, these, like you said, these guys have been studying that, but these guys really found the language. These guys were able to address it to the Western world. Like, hey, this is what we're talking about. You know, we're not just guys with long hair sitting in a pose.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's so deep. And it's so exciting and it's so out there, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's so out there until it isn't. I mean, now uh, you've got people doing studies on the brainwave states and showing what a spiritual experience looks like in the brain. And so that's exciting to be able to to recognize that what it is, is it's a certain frequency state that we are accessing where more information is available to us because information is traveling, you know, through frequencies, whatever you're dialing into, right? Whatever channel you dial into, you're getting different information. On the subtle level, whatever frequency you're attuning to, you're getting different information. So suddenly you start to attune to these really high like gamma frequencies. And then all of a sudden you're downloading a spiritual experience it's exciting to me that there's a kind of physical, physiological, but still, you know, frequency wise, but there's, a, there's a way to measure this stuff now. Um, I call it
0: up, updating your iOS system. That's what I yeah, call
1: it. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and, and then, it,
0: it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what you're doing. You're plugging in and you're updating your iOS system. <laughs>
1: you've done that, As you said, there's literally, no going back now it may take you a while to be able to recreate that because yes, there's this right. interesting dance in life isn't it it's like yeah we could just dial up that spiritual experience on command well i mean we would just be there but the wouldn't funny be any thing fun <laughs> wouldn't that be great but it, it's it 's all of these factors that go into it it 's the the consistent, steady dedication, purposeful dedication toward that direction and toward getting out of our own way and that beautiful thing we might call grace of yeah. where, you know of where preparation meets that that perfect that perfect moment in time, and something happens and to me that's what's so interesting because because the aspect of grace takes it out of our willfulness and just our, our that egoic or part of ourselves that just wants to drive, explore, conquer. It's like, well, actually, there's this very deeply receptive, open aspect of grace that has to happen as well, and it keeps us humble. And uh, for me- So that, well said. And the self-compassion where oh i'm trying oh i missed it again oh i missed it again oh i was so there oh oh i got oh wet, but now i'm out again it's like just the compassion for the human experience that transformed me as a as a as a, as a being and also as a teacher when i got to start to work with self compassion in that way and it came to me through the physical practice, through, as you said, meeting yourself physically at a whole other level, it definitely came in those places. But on the deepest level, it came, I didn't get the compassion part until I had to just be compassionate for the fact that, oh, my mind just wandered again. Oh, there it is again. Oh, I'm judging. Oh, I'm complaining. Oh, I'm blaming. Okay the human condition. I forgive myself and I'll do better next time. And I just keep going. I pick yourself up, move forward. Oops, fell off again, come back, move forward. Each time you come back into presence and you rededicate yourself, you are literally rewiring yourself. And that takes so much compassion and consistency and faith because it's so easy to just be like oh i'll never get it i give up and then boom just fall into the conditioned kind of approach to life so i think it takes it takes the warrior within each and every one of us um that 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 fire that fierceness you know sri ramakrishna put it beautifully he said he said pursue enlightenment like a man with uh, his hair on fire pursues a pond. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it's it's right on. Uh, that's You're right. That's the intention that you need to take with it. Ancient Zen masters used the phrase that said, we don't tell you, you know, in Zen, people think you just sit still and don't do anything. And and the story was, you know, a boy asked this the, the master that, and he said... We don't tell you not to cut the wood. We tell you to cut the wood exactly on the grain it needs to be cut in. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with cutting the wood. You just have to understand where and how to cut it from and what tools to use. And things like that really hit home with me because I come from that naturally it's a very do-go-accomplish, And something that this whole COVID-19 world has brought me back down to is the simplicity of life and my two lovely kids and my wife and being home and really getting deeper into my awakening of my inner self and my practice more than ever. And it's been such an insane ride and it's so intense in so many ways, yet so calming, right? It's like, you know, the fire is on, but it's a flame that. I can control it's not burning the forest. (laughs) No, so that, 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 you know, has been really the awakening here for me, and in in that it's really helped me view life very different now Mm -hmm. and get really, really for the first time let go of the attachments of what I want to create from a society standpoint and truly connecting to. My purpose, which I now realize is to teach what I've created. And it's such a scary, yet I came to this realization. And I just want to share this with you quickly because you've been an influential part in this for me in that I came to this realization last week. Last week in my meditation, something opened up and said, forget about this massive company. Forget about all of these things. It'll all play out as it needs to. Focus on what you're doing, create your system, create the philosophy, the lifestyle, put it together and put it out there. And the next day we had a storm in New York, which knocked the power out for a week. I got the worst acid reflux I've ever gotten in my entire life for five days. I got every universal block that I could have unknowingly put upon myself to not have me follow through with what I'm about to do. And I stuck with it and I continued my meditations and I continued to stay in my zone and I continued to work through and I continued to do what I needed to do. And interestingly enough, this morning, I woke up and it all became clear to me. And I had that profound breakthrough in realizing that, There's a lot of factors that I was holding on to from an anger from all these things standpoint, and I was able to finally cry this morning and release it all and really get to the state that I want to be in and and, and come back to what you said, you know, how do you get back to that, you know, and you have to weather the storm, (laughs)
1: you have to weather the storm exactly i exactly and i've been through what you're talking about and um there's just so many levels to it so uh i i would just have to say to all those out there who are listening and suddenly they're like whoa well that doesn't seem like such an attractive path. (laughs) (laughs) right that's right (laughs) but but the uh, the way my life since i started this this level of self-reflection and self-correction the way that my heart has opened, the way that my life has blossomed to the intimacy the into me i see that has allowed me to be just so much more present in relationships and present to myself and um and just generally tapped in. It's, it's been the most worthwhile journey. And if I think about you know, enlightenment, it used to be this image that I had of the saint, the ideal <laughs> person, the faultless right. one, the perfect yeah. one, the right. unattainable one. That's, that, right. that's right. what yeah. I was searching yeah. for. And in the practice itself, the revelation upon revelation of just showing up to the moment with the most amount of kindness, self-compassion, presence, and just starting to see the enormous creativity of life start to flow through me and my experience because of that. Like you're explaining in this system that's coming through you and this understanding that you have through your own direct experience of how you can serve and help others to awaken that and uh so it to me it's just it's so exciting to hear that from you to understand that um you are about to create this system and and just that when we push ourselves to step up to the next level all the natural resistance that will show up <laughs> right that's right yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: it was crazy how it all just turned in in a week worth it was crazy and but you know it, it's there is a lesson in that and, and and you know I believe there is a there is an age that comes with that. You know I just turned 40 this year and I would not have been able to experience this the same way 10 years ago. And I know 10 years from now, I will not be able to experience this the same way as I do. So, you know, like you said, in the beginning, it's about the constant understanding that this evolutionary process is happening. And all you got to do is stay within the conversation. And that conversation is your practice, your meditation, the energy that's around you, your environment, and how you choose to spend your day is very, very important. You know Who you choose to surround yourself with is very, very important. And it's something that my wife and I try to teach our kids. And it's important to get that. And and it's such a liberating experience to to feel that. And I feel so fortunate. And the inner part of me is like, okay, now I gotta show people how to do this. yeah you know, i want them to experience this and that comes in you know in 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 learning the system and and in understanding how to put it together properly So before, you know, we wrap this up because you and I, I feel like can sit here and talk forever, but you know, before we wrap this up, I want to also get your take on the nutrition aspect of yoga and of your way of living. Because for me, the system that I'm creating, I realized it's not a system like a yoga or a training system or a muscle building system or an injury. I realized I'm creating a philosophy. It's a way of life and there is avenues that go with it and the nutrition and understanding how to reduce inflammation and understanding how to eat a certain way for your practice because that will also help fine tune you much faster. And one of the correlations, by the way, and I don't know if you've noticed this, I wanted to ask you this question that I found is... If you have very, very low body fat, it seems like you're able to connect to that spiritual place much faster. And I don't know, I haven't really understood or dove into the science of it just yet, but I've always realized that, and I got this when I I used to bodybuild and I was a day or two out of a show and I was depleted and I had 2% body fat, the almost hallucinating experience that you have and and now I get it from a fasting standpoint but it, but the concept is the same and and the more your body fat drops I feel like the sooner and the quicker you can tune yourself in and that's directly connected to your nutrition and lack of inflammation so I wanted to kind of get your take on that and see how do you fit that in in your life in your teachings you know just in general Where's your take on all that
1: well that's interesting. I've never heard that before you know the idea of the the level of fat in your body for sure my um, my experience with uh, cleansing so liquid food um, mm-hmm. which you know takes away the, the 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 amount of energy that digestion takes um, so you have all that more energy flowing through your system uh, for me, I've reached so many exquisite transcendent states uh, fasting, whether it's water fasting or uh, my preference actually is just liquid feasting, which is uh, doing a lot of greens, but avocado and coconut oil and everything in there, but it's all blended and liquid or, or juiced um, as a, as That's a way interesting. to do- How long
0: do you do that for?
1: I do that um, for about six days at a time. And I usually have a prep going in, and then it takes a good six days coming out to kind of get back to normal again. But I do these uh, for clarity purposes. I do it because when I, when I take my own, and we all have a certain degree of this, I think, uh, addictive relationship with food, when I just- Absolutely and I uh, and I take that out of the equation for a while and go very light, like liquid food. It really allows me to get super intuitive and clear. It's like all the channels open, and then I add practices on top of that to keep refining the energy. And those points, at least twice a year, that for me, those are the moments where I just, it's like, come home to myself, I reflect, I redirect if I need to, what it is that I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Uh, so I think those are super important. And um, and what I do personally, um, I've been vegan, mostly vegan since I was 12. So I have my own sort of methodology. What I've come to n- notice because I've worked a lot for for 15 years with people cleansing is that each and every one of us is different in the the science of Ayurveda like the sister science to yoga which is the kind of preventative medical side if you like food herbs medicine which I'm sure you're yeah. super familiar with but as mm-hmm. Ayurveda says no two people are the same, no two constitutions are the same, no two digestive fires are the same, no two circulatory systems are the same. And so diet is absolutely something so so utterly unique that to try to impose our way upon another would be uh, potentially incorrect. But to encourage somebody to take periods of whatever degree of fasting and start to come into a more connected relationship with their own being and start to understand how foods are impacting them, which foods give them energy, which foods cloud their brain, which foods allow them to sleep better, you know, which supplements do what it's I think, to me, helping somebody to come into their own intelligence around that is, is vitally important. And the understanding that no one-size-fits-all because I think in America we tend to fall into that trap so quickly it's the latest fad comes on and everybody hops on it Um, but so many of these are reductionist approaches and not so holistic in nature like take all the fat out of your diet or only do fat in your diet or you know it's like (laughs) how do we cultivate our own conscious relationship so that we are understanding that food is nourishment and food is our relationship with nature, which we are an intricate part of. And where does the gratitude part come into it? And where does the responsibility toward the sustainability of plant and human and animal life come into it? So to me, this layers and layers and layers on this equation of our relationship with food, but most of it comes into uh, awareness, awareness, what we eat, why we eat, when we eat it, how we're eating it, what's the impact of us eating that, not just on our own bodies, but the world at large. Universally, yeah. Universally.
0: Yeah. No, it's funny you say that, you know, in, in our company, Gilix and Gene, when we started it three years ago, my partner and I, we started it as a DNA company. And what we did was we figured out our own formulation on understanding, you know, what type of food percentage wise and what kind of training broken down in an endurance, power stability and flexibility standpoint, what ratios people would fall into. We realized that's 10% of the equation. And then we met our other partner, Lori Graham, who is, in my opinion, the greatest nutrition mind functional medicine practitioner I've ever met. And I'm, yes, I'm biased because she's a partner in our company, but there's also a realism to that. (laughs) And, you know, I've been in this field for 20 years, I've come across a lot of people and no mind like hers. And what we did was we put our heads together and we formulated this philosophy of life. And our part of our program starts with putting you in a specific cleanse where you take all the fats out and, you know, you allow the body to get into a specific fasted state on low calories and specific amount of vegetables. We separate our vegetables in order to look for reactions to see if you have an inflammation response to anything that you're eating when you. You separate it and you take it in in a large amount, you can see a direct reaction if you're in a fasted state. So we gain that information. And one of the things that's benefited us and many wellness companies alike is in the last five, 10 years, due to this type of testing, we use the KBMO food intolerance tests for our program. We have our DNA test. We look at your blood work. We run it through a functional medicine software to look and see what areas your body is missing. So meaning like you go to a doctor and you have high cholesterol, they just put you on a statin. Well why do you have high cholesterol and if you do does that number really mean anything in your case because it may not let's say it's raised because your body produces x amount of testosterone and it's necessary for that cholesterol to be high then you don't need a statin you would actually screw your body up so we created this this program with a day-to-day coaching aspect so, you know, all our coaches are registered nurses. They, they're, you know, we send them to the Institute for Functional Medicine to get trained in their coaching program and we educate the person coming in, instead of just giving them a low calorie diet, we tune them in with their body. And we find psychologically, there is a completely different relationship that they now have with themselves with food, and with their body. And that warrants a long term sustainable effect, instead of just lose weight and gain it back, lose weight, gain it back, you know, uh, lower the carbs, take out the carbs, okay, those are short-term band-aids, but they don't cause, you know, they don't help you figure out what's going on inside your body. So I love your, you know, you hit it on the head when you're like, you take the fats out, you put the fats in, yeah. You have to understand how to do these things to your body to get answers. Yes. And once you get the answers, you can create a
1: sustainable lifestyle. Well, I just love everything that you just said and your whole approach. It's uh, to to me working with people for so long. I understand that having the coaching aspect and having people really understand what they're doing and why it's all the difference in the world. And all that uh, personal connection um, that helps them to to create new positive habits. And I feel like just like with anything else, when you really know why you're doing something, it's a no-brainer. Whereas if you're just trying to white knuckle your way through or force yourself into a system, you feel like you're always up against so much resistance. But if you can just flip the switch and be like, oh, I understand now that's, wait, that makes me feel really bad when I eat it. Oh, that's the thing that's been throwing me off every morning after I have breakfast and I have bread and then I'm foggy for the next two hours and I'm trying to pump caffeine into me to get over the hump or, you know, it's like, yeah, make those connections and then change. Yeah. The most
0: interesting thing that we figured out is how many healthy foods in certain people cause inflammation. Like with me, spinach and mushrooms, you know, now, when I slice those up and I put them in my salad on a daily basis, I don't see much of an effect on a day-to-day basis, but a 10-year compounding negative interest of that is going to hurt me drastically. Whereas when I learned that, you know, by separating the vegetables, that's causing me inflammation and and gas, and, and I don't feel good at all when I eat that, I learned to eliminate even some of these healthy foods and, that little bit has had a profound effect in my life, you know, and, and, and it, it's, it's really cool to start to understand that there's a whole other world beyond what we've now deemed as healthy foods and unhealthy foods. There is the reaction of each food within your system and the reaction of how all these foods mixed together react in your system. And, and that to me is the, is the key point of understanding nutrition. And on, on that note, I'm going to kind of start tuning us down a little bit now. And, and you know, and I would love to do a 2.0 of this down the line at some point, because I feel like there's so much more we can cover here. But I wanted to kind of leave by letting you, let, letting our audience know that you are about to do a teacher training program, which I'm trying to work my schedule around to jump into myself. <laughs> and uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about this. When does it start? And if somebody wants to jump in or wants to, you know, get more in tune and, and listen to more of what you do, where can they find you and what is this program? When does it start?
1: Oh, wow. Okay, good. So, well, it's the Radiant Body Yoga uh, 200-hour teacher training. It starts uh, October 1st, and there's two ways to do it. There is the kind of live immersive track where um, for a lot of the month of October, for 20 days of the month of October, I'm teaching five hours a day live, and you can just dive in with me. And there's supportive materials, and I have a, a team of people to support everybody through the process and that's a six-week journey and then there's also for people who are working and they've got kids and they've got lives that are pretty full i have a 12-week version where you make as many live sessions as you can but then you just work your way systematically through the training and you'll have a you know a group leader who will be helping you to manage your time and manage that process and i created this training specifically i feel like this is this training is designed for people to navigate these times uh, with the most skillfully uh, so i'm 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 sharing it in a way that can really help people to understand how to create this balance between the mind the body the energy the emotional self and uh and then how to share that with other other people which you know as we've been mentioning with your system just how important it is that we who are on this path and who have this passion and have this desire uh to experience deeper levels of freedom within ourselves and fulfillment within ourselves like how to share that in a systematic progressive um way that somebody can begin that process of unfoldment themselves so yeah, the training is starting October 1st and I actually just funny that we have this conversation now because I just did a webinar last night um where I'm offering people $500 off the uh off the price. So oh, wow. okay, great. I would like to extend that to any of your listeners um, through the weekend they could okay. receive that price and um if you go to my website, kiamilla.com, they should be able to, uh, to sign up there or learn more about it. I have a lot of information there. Just help people to understand where I'm coming from and why, and if it feels like it's a fit for them.
0: I love it. Beautiful. So the website is kiamiller.com that you guys can jump into and tune into and get all that information. Kia, it's been lovely, lovely having you. This has been a very, very eye-opening and fantastic experience for me. And um, I really, really want to thank you for taking your time appearing on our show. And uh, we're going to, edit this thing and put it out and make it live and, and, and have everybody listen and get all this phenomenal feedback on this wonderful conversation. So I'm looking forward to do the 2.0 version of this together at some point in the near future. And uh, it's always fantastic to connect with such a vibrant mind. And um, I, I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Sam. I so appreciate this conversation. I feel so enlivened from it and just getting to understand a little bit about what you do and you know what you're creating. It's just so exciting. This is what we need more of in the world right now. So we really can be, you know, a part of this emerging paradigm um, of a new 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 consciousness, a new awareness, a new way to be. There's just no mistake that things are
0: breaking down around us right now. That's right. So, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so kudos to that. Um, and, uh, and, and yes, let's, let's work together consciously to better evolve the super consciousness of what's out there and yeah. uh and, and and to me that comes from consciously working on yourself within before anything else so thank you so much for for coming on and uh it was lovely having you and look forward to talking to you soon
1: thank you sir Take care.